This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live at 101.3 KPCG, and we are online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter if you'd like to, at kpcgfm, and any comments you'd like to send, send those along to comments at kpcg.fm. I'm Dwight Falk, Grant Turgeon here today as well. Um, I was checking the, some of the headlines this morning, and I saw a funny sort of sports headline. The uh, The Atlanta Hawks are a really bad basketball team. They're They've had just a bad run of about three years. And uh, it's so bad that not, not many people are attending the game. And last night, a guy was laying across courtside seats because they were empty. So this guy's laying across, they said, about $50,000 worth of seats with his with his uh, head kind of on his arm like he was on his couch. <laughs> he was just, like, yelling at the players. <laughs> and so that's a sign of how bad it is for the Atlanta Hawks, I guess. What a life for that guy, though. I bet, I bet he was happy that all those seats were wide open like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, they've been a middling playoff team for a while and then this year all of a sudden they can hardly win a game i know they lost paul Millsap and kyle corver recently and i uh, guess damari carroll and yeah everyone else they ever had <laughs> so and jeff teague so I, I can understand why they're not doing so well anymore yeah they fell apart but what whoever that fellow was he was just laying across those seats and <laughs> of course somebody took a picture of him and put it up on the internet so i thought wow might as well make yourself comfortable Exactly, it's a lot of money to spend on uh, on seats down there. Obviously, he he just bought one, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he bought them all. <laughs> yeah, maybe he did. Maybe he's just super rich and just decided he wanted to stretch out and act like he was at home. Maybe that's the new sign of luxury in this country. You buy up all the first class seats so no one sits near you. You just lay there. <laughs> Total prestige. I wonder what all the players must have been thinking. Like, here's this here's this slob just lounging out here and screaming at us all game, <laughs> casually barking orders to the players. <laughs> Yeah, he was comfortable. Uh, some interesting headlines to take a look at today. And, of course, also look at the Trumpet Daily Radio Show and thetrumpet.com and continue to look at uh, this great reprint article on the authority of the Bible. So a lot to look at today. Uh, yesterday we mentioned that uh, Time put out their short list of people of the year. Well, they picked their person of the year. It's the Silence Breakers, um, Time's 2017 person of the year. Those are the people that set off a national reckoning over the prevalence of sexual harassment. So there's a group of people, I guess. The Me Too movement uh, is the person persons of the year. Uh, yeah, I just don't like that decision because, like we said yesterday, it's not one person. They're really they're really being liberal with their definition of that. But also, we have seen how a lot of those people are just going along with the crowd. They're not all legitimately part of the movement, but they're they're piling on because it's the popular thing to say right now yeah very much a a big uh, issue in 2017 just the end of 2017 i guess and i don't know if that's losing any steam or not it it probably is somewhat because it only it's only relevant to the the nation's thinking if it's a big individual that everyone knows you know if somebody i've seen a few headlines recently where someone came out and accused somebody else i don't even know who they are right you know so it kind of drops off the headlines they're like some some uh lower level like they might have been on a tv show or something and you know it might be true and it might be you know something that people have to look at legally i guess but uh if it's not a big name and a splashy name in the headlines i think the movement kind of just goes on its way the crazy thing is that so many people who worked with these people who are who have been accused are feigning like they had no idea that anything was ever happening which is just hard to believe you could work with someone for, in some cases, a couple of decades and not have any 
of the slightest cl- of clues. It's just there's just no way that's true, and probably people in general in society aren't that surprised that this is happening. But we're all just there really is a self-righteous push to act like we're indignant about it, even though it's been going on for a long time, even though we all know it's been going on for a long time. Uh, I even saw this this video. Uh, it was some skit about, like, why didn't the women come out sooner? Why, why does it take 30 or 40 years sometimes for women to speak up? And they're like, well, I don't know. And then it, it cuts to a an image of, this woman who was tied to a tree and was burning like at the Salem witch trials, mm. acting like it's back in the 1600s and that you get burned at the stake if you speak out, which isn't the case. I think people are actually very receptive to hearing uh, what might have happened. I mean, obviously, there might be some fear there, but to to equate 2017 with the 1600s seems highly inaccurate to me. Yeah, and I haven't... I haven't um seen what like the legal ramifications of any of these cases have been i mean people have lost jobs um i don't know if there's i don't know if it's past the statute of limitations or if there's going to be like people going to jail so i don't i don't i haven't heard a lot about that and even even with the uh, matt lauer situation recent headlines you know they found uh i guess uh, i think you know a roast where they get together and they kind of like make fun of somebody at their company i guess we don't, we don't do that here i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to be roasted but anyway they had a roast apparently there at nbc and they a lot of people were making fun of matt lauer it, for the things that he was doing and they exactly. knew about it at the yeah. time and so now they're acting like they're surprised but they did know at the time it seems like yeah, and they all were covering up for it. Uh, I saw a story about that, too, where uh, a lot of the women, they find out pretty quickly that if they even want to be an intern at a place like NBC or one of these other companies, they have to go along with whatever the powerful boss or the show producer or the the star of the show wants from them. And a lot of the time, it's highly inappropriate but otherwise you're out of the industry right away and that's widely known people everyone knows that that's the way it is in show business in television and all of these different uh, outlets yet we're acting like we're shocked now that it's all coming out yeah it's just uh staying away from those bad situations is the best thing to do i even saw last night on the local headlines uh one of the ou running backs is now being accused i guess of rape Mm-hmm. And uh, they had some of the details about it, and a bad situation. But uh, drinking, and everyone's drinking, and the, you know, sort of a college, uh, unfortunately, a college situation there that can occur. And I just thought, boy, things can turn really quick. You know, people make bad decisions, and uh, and but it was, I don't know, it, it's just interesting when these stories come out, and people can't totally remember what happened. But then somebody told them what happened, and said he said, she said. But in any event. Joy, just stay away from it all. If you stay away from those bad situations, then you don't have to worry about it. Be, you know, be above reproach. But things can change very quickly if you're in a bad bad spot. Very true. We are being hit by basically a maelstrom of accusations right now, and it's interesting that they would have a skit about the women being afraid to come out and it being equated to the Salem witch hunt because it could almost be equated to the Salem witch hunt in a very different way, where a lot of the men being accused might not have even done anything but if if it's the popular thing now to come out and say something well it it does seem like the accuser is believed almost every single time doesn't it It, i mean 
people are fired immediately from their jobs if they find out that they're that they were or if people if their employers find out that they were accused of anything that's before the facts come out so that that can be devastating and if you have a grudge against somebody couldn't you just easily accuse him of something like that that's a pretty scary proposition yeah well staying away from uh the, even the appearance of it usually would be a pretty safe bet and so hopefully yeah. that's what people are are wising up and doing but uh Anyway, that's uh, Times People of the Year, Person of the Year. That's what they call it, Person <laughs> of the Year. It is the uh, the silence breakers, as they call it, that Me Too movement there in Hollywood and entertainment, and I guess it could be in sports too. Uh, here's a headline from Associated Press. U.S. homelessness is on the rise, especially on the West Coast. Um, if you've been to the West Coast lately, which I have, I think you were out there recently too, uh, you you do see homeless. I, I even see more homeless here in the Oklahoma City area, panhandlers and such. I assume they're homeless uh, or coming from some sort of a shelter or something. But uh, it's on the rise, um, especially on the West Coast. Yeah, it it is shocking how bad it is in L.A., Portland, Seattle. Those are the ones I've been to recently and literally just sidewalks lined with them. Every block you go to, they're just everywhere. And I mean, then you just have regular people walking past them <laughs> like like they're not there. It's 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 just a really weird dynamic there <laughs> just to have them right there in the middle of the the city just sitting there doing their own thing. Yeah, there was a I saw a story the other week about um well, Portland's a very inclusive city and um uh but there was a company, I don't remember the company, but they were saying, "Look, we we're going to have to move if we can't do something about yeah. the the transients because they're they're in the parking lot they're you know and you know how it is if you don't have a place to live you don't have a place to take care of your normal bodily functions right except in the parking lot so they're dealing with that and and they just can't conduct business there so there is sort of this i guess dream that people some people may have that oh we can all live together and do our own thing but if you have people that aren't going to follow the law or don't care to follow the law um you can't operate your businesses so it is impacting real companies and so forth there in portland in some of those areas yeah and and that's a tough situation for the leaders of a city like that obviously you don't want to be cruel and heartless in any way but at the same time the people who are really making your city run the people who are contributing to the economy and and running businesses are being hurt pretty badly if you just have vagrants sitting out front that's that's not at all the environment that any type of business owner would want to run his business in it's hurting them a lot and it's not that hard to maybe just i don't know move them to the outskirts a little bit more or outlaw putting them on the main thoroughfares of the city it's a tough situation there uh this writer from ap says the u.s department of housing and urban development released its annual point in time count wednesday a report that showed nearly 554,000 homeless people across the country during local tallies conducted in January. That figure is up about 1% from 2016. Of that total, 193,000 people have no access to nightly shelter and instead were staying in vehicles, tents, uh, the streets, and other places considered uninhabitable. Uh, the unsheltered figure is up by more than 9% compared to two years ago. Uh, they say rents have soared beyond affordability for many lower-wage workers who until just a few years ago could typically find a place to stay. Now even a temporary setback can be enough to leave them out on the streets. So I imagine there's maybe that has a lot to do with it, but a lot of people on the streets 
uh, seems to have problems, drug problems, other problems. So I just kind of wonder about that. Um, I'm sure there are some that are legitimately in a bad situation. But if you're willing to work, you don't have a drug problem, it seems like you can get off the streets in this country. Um, So I kind of wonder about these numbers a little bit. Yeah, you do have to wonder about it, and especially because uh, there have been pushes in the past by the media to make it seem like every homeless person is a victim of some kind, like they were grievously done wrong by their employer or whatever it might be. And yet the the stats do show an extremely high rate of alcoholism or drug addiction or even even like sex addiction, all kinds of horrible things that these people are involved in. So basically the vast majority of them seem to have an issue with self-control in some way. And of course, that's going to affect whether they're able to uh, have a stable job and a stable uh, ability to pay rent. It's it's not going to work out very well if you have all those addictions and uh, a lot of mental illness yeah. as well. Um, it says the number in the report back up what many people in California, Oregon, and Washington have been experiencing in their communities: encampments sprouting along freeways and rivers, mm. local governments struggling to come up with money for long-term solutions. Conflicts over whether to crack down on street camping and even feeding the homeless. The mo- <laughs> feeding the homeless, it sounds like a zoo or something. Yeah. <laughs> the most alarming consequences of the West Coast homeless explosion is a deadly hepatitis A outbreak mm. that has affected Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, and San Diego. There's more than 5,600 people living on the streets or in their cars in those areas. The disease is spread through a liver-damaging virus that lives in feces. So wow. if you're not using the restroom in the appropriate places, now you have hepatitis A breaking out. Yeah, that's just a horrible situation just to think that people are living in a, in, a, in an environment where they're surrounded by feces or it's just a really filthy condition to be living in that is going to spread disease. And, of course, it's going to make the entire place less enjoyable for everyone else yeah. uh, there has to be there has to be some sort of solution there because that is true if you're driving around up there just tents everywhere all along the highway all under every overpass it's it's pretty insane how extreme it has gotten yeah and uh those are a lot of them are very nice tourist areas too so they're gonna it's hard to get tourists to come to those areas and there's a lot of homeless people i know we were uh, when we were out in California a couple of years ago, we went to, uh, I think it was Laguna Beach, the famous beach there. And, well, yeah, you pass a lot of homeless. They're showering at the beach, hanging out at the beach, that type of thing. So, yeah, tough situation there. And, um, yeah, I don't think money, you know, they they want to throw money at the problem, but it doesn't seem to solve anything. You know, what would solve it probably is um, a support system of family and friends. If we got back to a tight-knit communities where families were living nearby each other and it wasn't all up to the government to subsidize everything you would see a lot of changes if if anyone ended up down on their luck and got evicted from their apartment i'm sure if you were a hard-working honest person your one of your family members would gladly take you in for about a month and help you out until you were able to get back on your feet so if you had a system like that in place and you had family members around if, if if we had strong families anymore would we be so reliant on the government that's a question we need to be asking yeah that's a great point and whenever i read stories like this i think of uh psalm thirty-seven twenty-five. it says i have been young and now am old 
yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That's a promise from God that if you are um, righteous, striving to live a righteous life, then uh, you won't be forsaken. You're not going to have to beg in the streets. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, I'm not saying everybody that's out there is, you know, I'm not making a judgment on them. I'm just saying that in general, God takes care of those that obey his laws the best that they know how even, even if they don't know everything. <laughs> and nobody knows everything. But, I mean, if they don't, even if they don't have a great understanding, but they're, they're trying to be honest, they're trying to work hard, they're trying to do the right thing. Uh, this is still a country that you can do a lot of uh, good in, um, and you can really get on your feet and, and get going. doesn't mean you'll be the richest person in the world, but you can certainly get off the streets, I think, in most cases if you want to. Yeah, very true. It does come down to if we're applying the right principles in our lives, it, even just financially, if if during good times we're saving as much money as we can and avoiding destructive financial decisions that would lead to burdensome debt, even that would help a lot in, in these cases. I mean, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're you went into an apartment that's way too expensive that as soon as so that as soon as you got evicted or as soon as you lost your job, you would have to get evicted because you can't afford it. Uh, those those are some decisions that could come back to bite a lot of people. If, if, if you're in good times, you need to make sure that you're preparing for something bad as well. Yep. So the homeless uh, rates are rising there. They, they always go to the areas where it's nice, I yeah. guess, probably because of the weather. Um, I don't remember seeing too many homeless up north. Right. There, there were certainly some in the bigger cities, but it's too cold. It's <laughs> like, really cold. You couldn't survive it. So yeah. I think that's why they go out to those nicer areas. But uh, So anyway, interesting uh, right up there from the Associated Press on uh, the homelessness on the rise in the U.S. Uh, make sure you stop and check out thetrumpet.com today. Top story in thetrumpet.com is uh, by Richard Palmer, Introducing Europe's Eastern Strongmen. Political trends in Europe right now are tracking remarkably close to the Bible's prophecies. And, uh, of course, they're talking about um, the rise of the strongmen, the new the new trumpet cover. Uh, so it's king me on there. So makes me think of checkers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but that's what's happening. We see uh, here in the U.S., even with President Trump, um, other uh, nations there in Europe, some of them, uh, having strong men rise, of course, Putin, um, Xi Jinping over there in China, Germany still looking for theirs, but uh, again, the rise of a lot of strong men on the world scene. Yeah, it's funny, that trumpet cover, when I first saw it, I thought it was more like King Me, as in uh, it's all about me for, mm. for those leaders. Oh, yeah. Which you could also, in, in most of those cases, say that that would also apply, but it does make more sense if you say King Me. They're, those are leaders who are trying to strive for domination on the world scene on the world scene with Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, Shinzo Abe, Viktor Orban, uh Sebastian Kurtz. Those are uh what's it Recep Tayyip Erdogan from Turkey mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Those are those are the types of leaders who definitely want to be kings if they're not already. Yep, they're definitely uh, uh gaining strength and even in, in Turkey there of course he's done a lot Erdogan's done a lot to um uh, uh keep his power and hold on to it. I even saw a, a headline, I didn't read it, but it's on CNN. You know how much they don't like President Trump. <laughs> and their headline said why Trump is still winning. And uh you know why he he is still having a lot of victories in a lot of ways. Why is that? There's some good write-ups at the trumpet.com about that. You know, it seems like with him in particular in this nation, I don't recall there being such a 
consistent uh, attack from the press on one individual. And yet he he's kind of like the Teflon guy in some ways. Like they just can't they can't get him. It's almost like uh, he's uh, you know being given the, the power and the authority in this land, no matter what people want to do. And of course, there's some biblical prophecies that tie into that. Yeah, that that's so true. And yet, looking at the media, like you said, they're going after him, and they're trying to make it seem like. Well, I guess they just say, he, well, he's mentally unstable. He lacks compassion. He's about to send us into a nuclear Armageddon. They're saying all these things, and and if you were just an outside observer and you looked at it on the surface, you would never know that pretty much every day he's striking some new business deal or he's strengthening friendships with other nations. He's really done a lot of good, uh, especially for the American people, uh, the the working class, the middle class, and he's still working on that, yet the media just attacks him relentlessly. Yeah, it's... Uh uh, amazing how he's able to withstand it. It takes a lot of, uh, you know, if nothing else, you have to, uh, I guess, appreciate his um, his tough-mindedness. You know, nobody likes to be picked on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think uh, he was made for the time of Twitter, or Twitter was made for him, one of the two, because, you know, it allows him to bypass the media channels and say what he wants to say, for better or worse. But at least he can uh, get his message out there um, the way he wants to. Yeah, and that that is the main justification for him using Twitter like that because the media immediately takes what he says and the whole article would be fake. Not not a single sentence in, in most of those articles about whatever he's doing ends up being truthful or at least leading you in the right direction. They're intentionally trying to mislead the American people about what's really going on. He has to have some outlet to speak directly, and then you can – you could take his tweets however you want to, but at least it's coming directly from him and not through uh, a distorted eyeglass. Yeah. So uh, make sure you check out that uh, right up at the trumpet.com there about uh, Eastern's, uh, Europe's Eastern strongmen. Lots of strongmen on the scene today and rising. More rising all the time. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show with your host, Stephen Fleury, uh, talks today about this major, major story in the headlines, especially if you've uh, paid attention to Bible prophecy over the years. U.S. to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And, of course, uh, uh, the uh, Arabs, many of them, are threatening violence, which to me, I'm like, well, you're always violent. You know, now they're like, oh, because of this, now we're going to cause violence. They oh, always no. cause violence. <laughs> so they've been, scary. They've been causing violence for years. <laughs> you're just going to keep doing it? I mean, now you're going to get serious about it? I. It's amazing <laughs> that they feel like, and he points out on the, on the show today, how they're using President Trump's um, really fulfillment of his campaign promise um, to justify their violent outbursts. They want to be violent anyway. Now they're just looking to to blame him for it that is hilarious that they're acting like it's some sort of a recreational pastime or a casual hobby like their terrorism and now they're just really going to get down to it (laughs) they're going to come after them full force i mean they've always been doing this and maybe a lot of people have been brainwashed into thinking that the palestinians are the victims there but they have always been on the attack and if they would put down their weapons they would have peace in the middle east today it's it's incredible how uh people have been led to believe and again it's mainly by the media that the palestinians are the victims the israelis are harsh with their settlement building what about with the terrorism i mean you can compare settlement building to terrorism and it shouldn't even be close yeah they're terrible to their own people just terrible they put weapons they hide weapons in schools it's just they're terrible and you know <laughs> i was watching uh 
one of the the national news broadcasts last evening, and they were talking about this decision to move the capital of, or to have the capital of Israel there be Jerusalem, and um, and move the U.S. embassy there. And and so they were walking through like the some of the famous areas, and they said, "Well, look, you know, here you've got the Wailing Wall, and then here you've got the Al Aska Mosque, and here you've got this other stuff, and all these religions. This is really important to them." And I said, "Yeah, but I was thinking, if you look at the history of it, religions only have access to that area when Israel's in control because they let other people come. Right. You put the Arabs in control, Islamic control, no one else would get in that city. That's so true, and and." Obviously, that should tell you everything you need to know about the conflict over there. Who is truly tolerant? Who is truly attempting to be multi- multicultural, as damaging to them as it might be? It's obviously the Israelis who are trying to make something work over there. They have been involved in that land for peace deal for a couple of decades now. It doesn't work, yet they still keep trying. They keep they keep looking for any way that they can find to make make the violence die down a little bit and it's just not working because they're not dealing with a rational minded people right they don't want peace obviously and it, it the the peace process is a deadly wound there's a lot written about that in the trumpet.com based on bible prophecy you know they're happy to sit there and talk to you while they continue their terrorism <laughs> yeah. but they don't want peace of any kind you know and how doesn't everybody know that I mean, are we children? Do we not see it and go, yeah, those the the, uh, the Islamic element over there, um, they want to destroy the Jews. They say it. We want to wipe them off the map, push them into the sea. But, yeah, we wouldn't mind having a little peace if you guys would be nicer to us. Come <laughs> on. It's craziness. There has been this sick, uh, perverted way of thinking that has led people to believe that the Palestinians are victims. And what that is is... Well, the Israelis have been oppressing them in such a way that would cause them to react violently. As if that's as if violence is ever justifiable. You learn that in kindergarten that you never have an excuse to hit the kids sitting next to you. Yet because Israelis are building settlements or because they put the Arabs through extra checkpoints, it's now justified to carry out terrorist attacks. You see the same thing here where uh, when police officers get shot, people try to justify it and say, well, the police have been oppressing them, and obviously the laws are too strict. There's never a justification for killing other people. The people who are killing other people are the ones who are going to be wrong. There are plenty of examples of uh, Palestinians breaking into to Jewish homes, killing people in those homes with knives, whatever they can get their hands on. Meanwhile, on the other side of it, Israel, which has far superior power and could wipe them out in a day if they wanted to, if if they are provoked to the point where they have to respond to them, uh, Israel will fly over and let them know, by the way, you have an hour to get out of here because we're going to bomb this weapon spot. They let them know ahead of time. <laughs> they drop leaflets. They, you know, whatever means necessary. Get out of this area and so what do, they, what do they do on the other side? They hoard a bunch of people into those areas so they can get blown up so they can blame the Jews. That is absolutely disgusting. Um, and, and, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what they're doing. It's a horrible, horrible uh, regime that's over there. And, and yet, what does the media do? They, they draw attention to the, those types of situations and say, well, look at what Israel has done. They have, they have bombed this huge group of helpless people 
for no reason. They weren't even provoked. They'll overlook the fact that you know their their children are being killed or they're being bombed constantly and they'll say well the israelis weren't even provoked to do this it's just it's just a tragedy what's going on here uh, obviously obviously the palestinians have the whole world on their side and they have the media on their side they they are pretty much invincible in this conflict yeah it's 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 an upside down world for sure uh reuters has a story today turkey says declaring jerusalem Israel's capital will start fire with no end in sight. Well, there is an end in sight to that fire, and it will. There will be a fire there, but it ends with Christ's return. It says the Turkish government spokesman on Wednesday said that the United States' decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel will plunge the region and the world into a fire with no end in sight. Uh, declaring Jerusalem a capital is disregarding history and the truce in the region. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, what truths would those be? It is a big injustice, cruelty, they said, short-sightedness, foolishness, madness. They must have got a thesaurus out. <laughs> it is plunging the region and the world into a fire with no end in sight. Again, <laughs> I they wanted to say that a few times. And uh, they say, I call on, this is Turkey, I call on everyone to act logically. <laughs> Starting when? Uh, respect the agreements they signed and behave reasonably. Avoid risking world peace for domestic politics or other reasons yeah turkey's been reasonable they have a history of reason and logic of right it's craziness yeah they, they actually are known to betray anyone who helps them whenever it's convenient they're yep. they're they're not the ones who think logically they're they're the ultimate deceitful hostile nation what's turkey's capital istanbul i mean okay istanbul is no longer turkey's capital you can't say it's turkey's capital anymore because there will be a fire with no end in sight i mean apply that to any other nation and it's absolutely outrageous but we think because it's israel you can you can say things like that and you can hold them and restrict them in that way uh because it's israel it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense at all that you can't acknowledge what your own capital is or have another nation do that as well yeah it's it's really interesting uh, but make sure you listen for the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Get a lot of good insight into what's going on over there and the significance of it because it does factor in very heavily into Bible prophecy. If you want to know about uh, the timetable for Christ's return, you have to look at Jerusalem and what's going on over there. And uh, so whenever they start talking about capitals and cities and divisions, um, that's all right in line with Bible prophecy. Yeah, and who is going to start that fire with no end in sight? If If all it takes is someone acknowledging that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, who is then going to start the fire, right? It's going yep. to be the Arabs. Sure. It's going to be the Muslims. Everyone knows that. That just proves right there who is at fault. It's so obvious, and yet people are turning a blind eye to that intentionally. They're doing it on purpose. They're absolutely purposefully ignorant. Yeah. That'd be like you know your neighbor coming up to you, just kind of out of the blue, and it's like, you know, I... um. I want to take over, you know, like part of your lawn, and I'm asking you to act logically here. And if you don't, I'm going to set your house on fire. Exactly. You'd be like, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in the right here, buddy. I feel like you're the problem in this uh, situation. Yeah, this lawn is no longer your lawn, and you better comply with yeah. that, or else there will be consequences. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't apply individually. It doesn't apply nationally unless it's Israel. Uh, it's just such a distorted line of reasoning. Yeah, and just uh, even that that. Uh, point that uh, Turkey's uh, uh, well, one of their spokesmen brought out saying that uh, declaring Jerusalem a capital is disregarding history and the truce in the region. Uh, you ever look at the Bible? 
there's a lot of history and truths there that they should be paying attention to. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I, people say things like this, and no one ever questions it, at least that I hear. Like, yeah. how about, okay, so what do you mean? What history? You prove it to me. Well, you can say that. What is this supposed to be the capital of Turkey? I mean, what, what are they even talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. You do mention the Bible. That's that's where Turkey is described as as being a snake, as being a backbiter, as being treacherous and traitorous, and abandoning alliances whenever they feel like. For them to say, you know, the the Israelis need to hold to a truce that has been there for ten, uh, hundreds or thousands of years. Turkey hasn't held to truces that it made a couple of years ago. So why are they trying to hold Israel to a thousands of times higher standard? Yeah, it's really uh, interesting. Hundreds of thousands of years, that's a long time. <laughs> you would get the point. It was a long, long time ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, today is the 6th of December, and here's an interesting thing that happened on this day, especially in light of the current climate in the U.S., I guess. 1865, the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ratified. The amendment abolished slavery in the U.S. Are we going to hear anything about that today, you think? Yeah, that should be splashed all over the headlines, shouldn't it? Especially because any time we talk about grievances that happened hundreds of years ago, that's all over the headlines. So shouldn't a day like today that marks such a momentous turn in American history be publicized a little bit more? It should be. It should be talked about because... Um it was a major thing. A lot of, I mean, what other nation has done something like that? And yet you see just, like you said, grievances and people being upset and uh, on and on it goes. But uh, it would be good for people to stop and just think, well, hang on a second. I mean, even today, uh, are there countries that have slavery? Yes, there are. And now I know. I know what the, the, the instigators would say. Oh, there's still slavery here and you're being held down all this. Not true. <laughs> Not true on any level. Nobody's in shackles. No. <laughs> no one's no one's being, unless they break the law. Uh, countries with the most enslaved people, this is from USA Today, this is from 2014, but I think that stats are still pretty close. Uh, India has the most slaves in the world today. They have a population of 14, uh, well, sorry, there's 14.3 million people in uh, slavery today in uh, India. Wow. What about that? You want to go to India? That's a lot of people in slavery. Um, I'm not sure how much of that is underground but in a lot of other nations it's out in the open like in libya we've heard that in the news recently as well there might be an underground slave trade here in america as well but in some nations it goes so far as to actually be out in the open too yeah we i mean we we enslave ourselves to sin in this country Mm -hmm. you know if you get yourself if a person gets themselves hooked on drugs or pornography uh any of those types of things um, that's a slavery, but that's a self-imposed slavery mm-hmm. and uh, not somebody else forcing it on you. They say the 14.3 million modern-day slaves in India, uh, it's the highest figure uh, worldwide. And uh, the prevalence of slavery in India, as in other countries located in the Asia-Pacific region, is largely due to the econ- uh, economy's dependence on low-skilled and cheap labor. Bonded labor is especially prevalent in the country. Forced marriages and commercial sex workers are also relatively common. And, uh, of course, India has a lot of poor there, and um, people are in some really bad situations that they can't get out of. You know, you can you can climb. the As much as they try to tell you in this country, oh, you can't improve, you can. You absolutely can. But in some of these other nations, you cannot. And that's even bound up in the religious system in the Far East as well, right. where where you have people called untouchables. They live out their entire physical lives as, lives as human beings 
at the very bottom, basically uh, in the sewer, in the in the gutter, literally even in, in most cases, and they can't do anything about it because apparently they did something bad in a past life, and now they're spending their entire physical lives as humans paying for it. And hopefully if they just stay in that servile position and they're humiliated for what, however long they live, they can be reincarnated in a better position in their next life. That 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 is a situation where people can't advance. But we don't have anything like that here in America. There are plenty of people of all races and backgrounds who are successful here. There is no place where you'd rather start a business or do anything, pursue any type of dream than here. Why is it that we're complaining so much about the conditions in America instead of like over there in India? Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's amazing too how uh, you mentioned like the religious system over there. I mean, there there are uh, I think a lot of people even in the US that look at some of those religions and think, "Oh boy, that's pretty enlightened." Like yeah. they're really they're really onto something over there. Uh you want to go be part of that system? Live in the gutter? And I can understand why Looking at that and other religions, people say, "I don't. I think religion's a problem." Like you'll see, you'll see a, a video about slavery or something going on or war, and there'll always be a commenter or two say, "Yeah, this is all because of religion," and they're they're right in most cases. Uh, however, false religion—that's the issue, not true religion. But there is a lot of false religion, and yes, that is the cause of slavery and war and all of those things. So people get off. That's where they get off. They think all religion is false. Well, there's not. Uh, there is a true religion, and it's just finding it. That's the key. Yeah, and the Bible says that true religion is taking care of the fatherless and the widows, basically taking care of those who are the most vulnerable or the weakest among us. It's not about abusing them, throwing them into slavery, uh, treating them like trash, which is what happens in those nations like in India. Or even even here we have situations uh, where we're enslaving ourselves and we're abusing ourselves without even realizing it. True religion is about helping out the weak and strengthening ourselves as well. Very uh, interesting day or event that happened on this day in history. Uh, we've been talking this week about the authority of the Bible, which is a, uh, a very important topic. There's a reprint article by that title, The Authority of the Bible, that you can get on thetrumpet.com. And we've been talking about the seven keys to understanding the Bible, uh, because one of the difficulties that people have is if you just pick the Bible up, you don't really know too much about it, and you start reading through it. Um, you can you'll get value out of it, but it, it can be quite confusing as well. Um, and so you have to understand how it's put together. And we're not talking about some sort of uh, you know uh, wild uh, interpretation here, or you know <laughs> the, the great scholarly approach as some would see it. Uh, the Bible interprets itself, and so you just have to understand how to put it together. And God has to open your mind to that, of course. The sixth key to understanding the Bible is the fact that the Bible has uh, an interpretation of symbols. There's some there's uh, symbols in the Bible. Of course, Christ spoke in parables as well, and then he explained it later. It, it was to hide the meaning from many people. Yeah, that's very true. And he gave he had parables like the parable of the pounds, parable of the talents, where he would say that this this master is giving things to his servants, and he's saying. Uh, do with it what you will, and I'll come back in a, in a time. And those who produce the most with what they're given uh, receive the biggest reward. That's a lesson we can learn from. Uh, and, of course, these types of stories that Christ told thoroughly confused pretty much everyone who heard them. 
but they have been written down in the Bible for us to try to take lessons from. And then he, of course, he would go and tell his disciples plainly, you yeah. know, okay, here's what I meant by that, which, again, it does also highlight that God reveals his truth to uh, his people through his government. A very small number as yeah. well. It's not, it's not that he's getting a megaphone and blasting it to the entire world today where they can't avoid hearing it, but there is a way as well if you are open-minded to find the truth. So it, it, with this sixth key of the Bible interpreting uh, the symbols, it says God has concealed until now his prophecies of these colossal end-time world events now occurring by means of symbols used to describe these events. You know, if you look in Revelation and it talks about a tribulation that's coming, uh, there's a lot of symbols used. And, you know, it. but you have to understand what they are. You know, the, uh, uh, the Apostle John, when he saw it in vision, um, in some cases, he just didn't know what he was looking at. Yeah. You know, he saw things in the future that he didn't have the name of. He didn't look at that and say, oh, that's a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what it was. He said, so I guess that's locusts. I mean, <laughs> he, that, so the, there is some of that, too. And, of course, we have to look at the modern, uh, we have to look at the description in light of modern uh, uh, events as well and technologies. But it says, uh, uh, also considering the fact that the dual principle, that there are types of things that happen, then they happen again in the Bible, and that our Israelitish identity has been hidden from men. We talked about that yesterday. Symbols like parables were used to not were used not to make the meaning clearer, but to hide and conceal God's true meaning until the time came for Him to reveal the interpretation. So God has to reveal it. He even told Daniel that, "Go your way, Daniel. It'll be understood later." So God has revealed it now, and. Um, now it's up to people to look at that, um, the literature that explains it, and you can find it at thetrumpet.com and understand these symbols. Yeah, and the prophet Daniel did talk about four world-ruling empires that would come on the scene, uh, physical empires that would rule before Christ returns, and they were described as different animals. So the the traits of those animals would apply. Uh, if, a, if an empire moves swiftly in warfare, it might be uh, compared to like a leopard or a lion. Um, if it were very powerful, it would be compared to a bear. There are symbols like that that, if you think about it, they do make logical sense. But at the same time, if you're just looking at it without uh, any context, you might be a bit confused. Yeah, it says, for generations, men have been putting human interpretations upon God's symbols, and that's where the problem comes in. The Bible has to interpret itself. There's a lot of uh, ideas out there about what things mean. Even recently, there was some. Oh, somebody was saying that the world was going to end or something on a mm-hmm. particular day, and, well, we're still here. <laughs> uh, but an important key, therefore, though, is that these symbols are interpreted in plain language in the Bible itself, if not in the context, and or and then elsewhere. And we must search for God's own interpretation, never apply our own to it. And there's a great booklet that helps with that, Daniel Unlocks Revelation. You can get that for free at the Trumpet as well. And it shows uh, about how the book of Revelation is a mystery to most people. However, few understand that the Old Testament book of Daniel is the key to comprehending the mysterious book of Revelation. So when you look at Revelation, you can think, what does that mean? Well, you have to go back to Daniel and put that together, and then the picture becomes clear. Exactly. I mean, that it's amazing how you have a book of the Bible like Revelation that people, usually they, they pay the most attention to that one because of all the vivid imagery there. But it just makes no sense to anybody, and that's because there's a different book on the other side of the Bible that actually holds all the keys to it. And you could say the same thing about, uh, like Matthew 24. That that holds a lot of keys to um, 
just what the events that are going to precede the tribulation, events that are described in the book of Revelation that uh, maybe you wouldn't know otherwise without the help of that Matthew 24 chapter. Right. It has to be put together in the right way and understood and and uh, and opened up like that, and it has been uh, for the most part. There's always, I suppose, uh, more that is yet to be revealed, but that is the, a lot of those main prophecies are revealed. And so to understand the Bible and uh, the authority of it, you have to look at how the symbols uh, in there um, are interpreted by other passages in the Bible. And you can go back and look, too, just even like you mentioned, the world ruling empires. That's an authority that proves the authority of the Bible uh, in and of itself, in a way, because uh, those empires were prophesied before they happened. And you can go look at the history of what happened to those empires. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly. And and you can look in history and say, well, there there were four main ones, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Those are the four that happened in order. Uh, Revelation talks about seven heads of a, a holy Roman empire. You can look in history and see that all of those have taken place as well. And of course, the trumpet.com has specific literature about all of that. That would make it very clear. It's It's very important to study the Bible along with helps like that. And two, you know, when people are talking about the Bible and its authority, you have all these different authors writing at different time periods and talking about these different symbols, and they all uh, work together to make one picture. You know, if if God didn't inspire that, you couldn't get humans to do that. There's no way that that could happen. But when you look at Daniel and then all those years later, Revelation, the book of Revelation is revealed, uh, and they, you know, work together to unlock this picture of what's going to happen in the future. And, of course, some of the history as well of what's already happened. Uh, humans couldn't do that. You couldn't figure that out. So when you really look at it and understand that picture, uh, you do begin to see that this Bible was written by a supreme mind and, and a mind, the mind of God. Absolutely. Yeah, the prophet Daniel and the apostle John probably wrote 1,000, 2,000 years apart from each other. They're separate books, and yet Daniel and Revelation fit together perfectly like as it has been described, a jigsaw puzzle. Though all those different writers, and and it's also true, all these different backgrounds, you know, kings, prophets, apostles, but also fishermen, herdsmen, all, all these types, musicians, all these different types of people who you would not think would all be writing about similar things that would, that would all fit into one book. It, it's clearly been divinely inspired. God had to call these different people from different backgrounds to write it. It's about 40 different authors, 1,600 years of uh, time that passed between all of it being written. It's incredible how it all comes together. And even when you, you see a supposed contradiction, if you look into it enough, you can prove that actually there's not a single contradiction in the, in the entire book. Right. There is a, a lot of uh, interesting things to look at there, and you do have to understand these uh, how the Bible interprets the symbols uh, itself and not read into, uh, read into it your own thinking there, which uh, people do, and they do get off on. So uh, make sure you uh, check out this reprint article, The Authority of the Bible, then also Daniel Unlocks Revelation. And uh, there's you could pick almost any of the books there in the at the trumpet. They all deal with certain aspects of uh, of what the Bible teaches in terms of what you can expect to see in the future. And uh, so make sure that you do check all those out. Also, the uh, Kia David program, Trumpet Daily Radio Show coming up today, and the Trumpet Hour program also. Lots of great programming here on the way. That's all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. 
For uh, Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we will talk to you tomorrow. You're listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.